2: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large. Our long-form interviews available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. (laughs)
4: running for president, former CEO of Starbucks, comes under verbal attack at an appearance last night. We'll have that for you in moments. It's shocking. It's not for the children.
3: Well, the heckler was voicing the concern of millions. True. We'll get to that. Plus, he uses bad words, and it's really funny. <laughs> so stay with us.
4: couple of big sand country stories. One... We're negotiating with the Taliban, and it looks like we might finally be done in Afghanistan and willing to admit that we're not accomplishing anything?
3: Boy, that's a complex one. We will get to that. That's the Taliban-slash-Al-Qaeda
4: story. Then you've got the ISIS story.
3: Liz Sly is the Beirut bureau chief covering Lebanon, Syria, and the wider region for the Washington Post and is joining us now to discuss from Beirut the situation in Syria-slash-Iraq and the health or lack thereof of ISIS. Liz, welcome. It's always a pleasure.
1: Thank you for having me.
3: There are conflicting reports, depending on the politics involved, uh, as to whether ISIS is indeed as thoroughly beaten back as some would have us believe. What the
4: president said.
3: Well, that's right. Yeah. What is your perception of ISIS uh, at this point?
1: Well, I think it's been proven before from the Iraq war and from other situations such as Afghanistan, that military defeat on the battlefield isn't enough to get rid of the threat of a very extremist group like this. If you don't rebuild, if you don't stabilize the area, um, if you don't bring um, sort of a fair and just political system into the area, um, they're going to bounce back because people are going to have grievances and they're going to play on those grievances to win back support and eventually um, pose a, another kind of threat again. So, yes, we're actually very, very close now to the territorial defeat of ISIS. Um, there's just a couple of vi- villages left that they hold in the southeast of Syria. Um, when those villages are taken, and that is a matter of days or weeks now, um, uh, territorially, they will not have any land to call their state, their caliphate, whatever they used to call it. Um, but... We do see signs that they are bouncing back as an insurgency, creeping back into areas that were liberated sometimes years ago in both Iraq and Syria. And I think um, the U.S. military would have preferred to stick around a little bit longer um, to try and bring some stability to those areas.
4: Well, that's pretty interesting, but um, it was a pretty big story there for quite a while. When they had a chunk of land, I forget, everybody had a different view. It's as big as Texas, it's as big as this, it's as big as that. But they had a giant chunk of land at one point, and now they, they're about to have none.
1: Um, yes, that's right. They, um, I mean, they stopped being a threat as a caliphate quite some time ago. You know, they lost um, their capital in Raqqa um, over a year ago. They lost their bigger city, which was Mosul, um, about six months before that. Um, and really, I think most people stopped paying attention Um, But of course, it's when you take your eye off the ball that um, conditions deteriorate and people get unhappy and they can start creeping back again. I think it will be a really long time before they ever control territory again. But, you know, I watched the whole Iraq war. I watched it um, unravel. I watched them put it back together a little bit and then they left and then it all came bouncing back again. And I wouldn't rule anything out.
3: Liz Sly, Washington Post's Beirut bureau chief, is on the line. Liz, I, I wonder, here's an angle of this that I think is really important for assessing if ISIS is going to be much of a threat going forward. They made a big deal about the fact that they had a caliphate. They had a massive land because in the Islamic world, particularly the fundamentalist Islamic world, that is that gives them legitimacy according to parts of the Quran. Um, would it be a mistake to think about that too much? Are they merely the latest expression of fundamentalist Islam in the region and the caliphate things not that big a deal?
1: Um, Well, I mean, it is a big deal. If you have a group like the Islamic State controlling territory, controlling chunks of other people's countries, obviously if it's your country, you're extremely alarmed about that. And, of course, um, it it gives them um, a a springboard to control other areas. So it is very, very important to defeat them militarily. But you have got a threat from extremism from many different kinds of groups around the world. And as we know, they are recruiting um, other groups in other parts of the world. And there's definitely um, something much much more fundamental at play. I mean, you have to deal with the fundamental injustices that cause the kind of grievances that cause people to um, adopt a very extreme point of view and take up arms to pursue it. Um, and, you're to- and, in- and there you're talking about a whole range of things, such as social justice, poor governments, um, poverty, inequality, and um, in certain parts of the world where these groups have taken hold, and unless you address these bigger issues, they're always going to be appealing to a segment of the population.
3: Very well said. Liz Sly of the Washington Post, covering uh, Lebanon, Syria, the wider region. Liz, we appreciate your time very much. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. I thought that was beautifully summed up. Yeah, ISIS is on the ropes, absolutely, but the ideology is still around. And if not them, somebody else will come, and you know. And we
4: can bomb them from the air. We don't need our troops there. Uh, I agree with President Trump. Uh,
3: okay. <laughs> well, well, well summarized.
4: Well, Howard Schultz, you got your big splashy debut on 60 Minutes Sunday night. Your puff piece from Scott Pelley. Puff piece.
3: That's well, prejudicial.
4: Welcome you're to the
5: mainstream media.
4: Welcome to the hard knocks of being at a New York
5: bookstore. And I wanted to clarify the word independent, which I view. Uh, merely as a designation on the ballot. And don't what, help elect Trump. You egotistical billionaire. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, a hole. Actually, think, I actually, think you
3: weakened your point with the the a hole bomb, don't you? Yeah, because it gets bleeped. If he'd come up with a better dismissive term that wouldn't get bleeped. What if he just went with? You're gonna help Trump get elected, you egotistical billionaire. He's not interested in making
6: a point. He's interested in <laughs> expressing a feeling. And if you leave that word out at the end, that's a
4: different feeling.
6: In well,
3: defense he, of a hole, positive Sean. He was certainly expressing
4: a feeling or a thought that many on the left have, and it's the problem that happens anytime anybody wants to run third party. The the the, the other side likes the idea because they think it's gonna help their guy get elected. Um nobody thinks the third party person actually has a chance.
3: Right. How about dipstick, Sean? What do you think of that? How about You're gonna get Trump elected, you egotistical billionaire dipstick. I think that that would have been pretty
6: good. I, I again this is not a he, he did not focus group this. This was this was a reaction to the moment where we're seeing this guy process it in real time. Okay. That was that was
4: beautiful. How about a bean jockey or some sort of coffee bean shop? Jockey?
5: What?
3: Keep working on that one. <laughs> and your coffee's overpriced, I can
4: make it at home for a nickel.
3: <laughs> Anywho. That's- wow, that's, that's jazzy, though. I love that sort of stuff in politics. Is we it- need more of that and less droning. Isn't that going to be his biggest
4: problem? Oh, yes, clearly. Well, No in, matter what his policies are? no matter, Really, no matter what his policies are, if, if they seem like they would appeal mostly to Democrats,
3: that's his problem. This is what locks us into the evil, evil duopoly of the Republicans and Democrats, and we have no hope of breaking through. Every time an independent voice comes up, they terrify us into thinking, well, we can't have the other side win because they're evil. So I'll go away from this independent fellow who, in theory, I'm not saying Char- uh, Howard Schultz in particular, but I keep on to say Charles Schultz, the guy from uh, Snoopy. And, uh, yeah, that's a different fellow. And, and Charlie Brown. Um, but uh, even if this guy, uh, Schultz, was just a paragon of everything we love about America, they would terrify us into not voting for him. And they have the benefit of being right. The odds are overwhelming. Because of various, you know, aspects of the political system, the Electoral College and the rest of it, the odds are overwhelmingly. Because it's he a crooked loses. carnival game. Go Joe, you're on a roll. It's not a carnival game, it just is a system. Um so yeah, so they're right. And we're getting screwed.
4: Whether you're Ralph Nader, Ross Pro, or Eugene Debs running as a socialist, and I think getting five percent way back in the day of Warren Harding. Um, it usually helps somebody get somebody else get elected. Often, the furthest person from that third-party person's this is a complicated sentence. Often, the the person that gets elected is the furthest politically away from that third-party run, just because of the way it
3: works. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Sure. So, well, to go back to the Starbucks thing, you got two people on Team Latte. More or less, and one person way to hell out there in Espresso Land. Espresso is probably going to win. But if, if, but
4: if I want to live in Espresso Land,
6: <sighs> if I'm a centrist, which is what he is trying to angle himself at, either one of the people who gets elected on either side of the extreme is equally as far away from
4: where I am policy-wise. Yeah, maybe. There's a lot of independents out there. There's a lot of people that uh, that are that that and and the parties have incredibly low ratings. Right Both parties have really
6: low rates. Yeah, right, nobody's happy, but nobody's willing to try a new party.
3: Wasn't Trump practically an independent? No, yeah. no. Yeah. Yes and no, because he still had the Republican Party apparatus behind him. Someone he forced them nervously. He forced them into going along with him. Yes, but he still had it. Yeah,
4: he still had that
3: exoskeleton, he, if you
4: will. He quote unquote played the
6: game. He his ideas and policies were certainly not. Traditionally Republican, but he was able to get into that mechanism and use it to his advantage.
3: Yeah, boy, I'd love to see an independent person elected someday, just because of the punch in the mouth it would give to the lying, fake politicians. I don't care if you're a, you know, I don't care where you are politically. Man, you're getting jobbed by politicians all the time, and I would just like to see him metaphorically punched in the mouth. Uh, mouth. I <laughs> don't punch their mouth either. <laughs> what that little thing do? Uh, but because I abhor violence, but I just want to see it shaken up.
4: I want to. He was on the early show. Today, uh, expounding on a couple of things, I'd like to hear what Howard Schultz has to say, him and his cartoon dog, about
3: uh, the death. And and the final talk is I want to get this in. Shout out to my homies in Chicagoland. Try not to get uh, frostbite. The uh, 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 Arctic blast, the Arctic vortex, like all time record cold. Just horrifying, death dealing, hide, run for your life, cold in the Midwest. Be careful.
4: Going to have all time record betting on the Super Bowl this weekend for a number of reasons, and among other things, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty show.
5: Armstrong and Getty. The
3: conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: The big idea is very simple. To unite the country. For us to come together. To do everything we can to realize that the promise of America is for everyone. But every politician is going to say that. Yeah, but... No politician on the Republican and Democratic side can do it because both parties are involved every single day in revenge politics. And can you imagine what powerful signal it would send to the Congress and to the country if for the first time since George Washington, an independent person could be elected president?
4: That'd be something. I'll, I'll I'll be interested to see if this catches on. That's Howard Schultz, former Starbucks CEO. Seems to be serious about it. He hasn't declared yet. Said he's willing to spend $300 million of his own money,
3: which makes you a player. Howard Schultz, not to be confused with Sergeant Schultz from the Hogan's Heroes sitcom of Mm, yore. Gotcha. I know nothing, nothing. Different guy. Completely different guy. You know what would be beautiful, Jack, if we saw Americans come together? So Schultz gets elected president. We'll see. First Jewish president in the United States. Um... Which came up on 60 Minutes. But anyway, he gets elected president, and then we see Republicans and Democrats coming together in D.C., working together, arm in arm, dropping their old animosities to make sure that this guy accomplishes absolutely nothing right. and is not reelected so they can throw him out and get back to their duopoly. Similar to Macron in France. Exactly. Without the uh, hot old wife, (laughs) (laughs) not that Mrs. Schultz isn't a you know lovely gal, but you know she's roughly his age. So I understand.
4: uh, Stone, what's his first name? (laughs) Rolling. Oliver, Oliver,
3: Oliver—it's as bad. as bad as the uh, Schultz thing.
4: Roger Stone's about to come out of the courthouse. If he, uh, the media is really excited about it. They have figured out he's solid gold. Does he do the Does he do the Nixon peace uh, sign? Uh, again? Yes, it's, it's his
3: thing. It's, it's his signature move. It's
4: possible that he's getting lectured by the judge right now. Hey, no more microphones. All right,
3: dude. Well, uh, the, uh, the assembled media are going to be sorely disappointed. So the, they're bristling with excitement.
4: And there are supporters and detractors there with signs: "Free Stone, Fire Muller! "Free Stone, Jail Hillary." I haven't seen any "Free Stone" while supplies last. Exactly.
3: And then they'll be chanting, "Lock him up." So it, right. it might
4: be all exciting. If it is, we'll bring it to you.
3: Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll roll uh, we'll roll tape on it. It's funny, I mentioned, uh, you know, I was shouting out to everybody I grew up with in Chicagoland to, you know, cover your nose so you don't lose the end of it and watch out for the the polar vortex, the Arctic blast that is is going to be uh, coating the Midwest. The uh, forecast last I heard was the high temperature in Chicago tomorrow is going to be 14 below with wind chills in the 40, 50, 60 below range, which... Which is a horrific and dangerous to human life. But I absolutely, it's funny. Jack and I have lived all over the country as we've gotten run out of various radio jobs. And even as I said that, I could picture uh, our friends in Minnesota and the Dakotas saying, ah, oh, shut up, you babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like never ever talk to say to somebody from Phoenix, man, it's hot today. Ah, oh, it's not hot today. It's regularly 157 in Phoenix. I remember when we lived in Charlotte. I would complain. God it's humid. Somebody say you ought to go to Charleston, South Carolina. Ah, right. Weather pride. We got some psychologist needs to study that and write a best-selling book about why people are so proud of, you know, how bad their weather is. It is. They complain to each other but brag to outsiders.
4: I think it has a, an awful lot to do with mindset also, whatever you're used to. Like just because I grew up south to go to Wisconsin places like that, if I hear 25 degrees, it has zero effect on me. I don't think. Oh my God! I don't think that at all. Probably won't play golf that day. And I don't think it's a pride <laughs> ego thing. It's just a I've been around it a gazillion times. It's just not a thing for me. Right. Um. So I think part of it is that. Yeah. Yeah. Where and uh, similar the the hot thing. Right. If you're well, in Phoenix it, 105 doesn't make the news. No, it makes the
3: news because everybody's so grateful. <laughs> right. Is it is it August in this scenario? Cold snap hits Phoenix. Right. Well, plus your body adopts, too. I mean. Um, Little D's uh, boyfriend uh, from a very cold part of the country came to visit us in our fairly warm part of the country, and he was running around in a t-shirt. He's like, "This is great." So depends what you're used to. So, uh, listen, we have the uh, the Roger Stone show. The moment it starts, which is just going to be in a couple of minutes. Also, taking a quick look back at the Tom Brokaw comments and the backlash against him saying immigrants ought to assimilate. Racist! How dare you! Duke professor, forced
5: out for saying to her students, you really ought to learn to speak English. What have we become? What's coming up? Your news, Marshall Phillips. Uh, Former Trump advisor Roger Stone in court facing an array of Mueller charges. American intelligence has new warnings about the toxic mix of foreign threats, and Chris Christie's new book has dropped. We have got him lashing out at Jared. We'll have him on the air, world exclusive.
4: Record betting on the Super Bowl, too. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Bye, Expecting $6 billion to be bet on the Super Bowl this weekend, which would be a record. Part of it because last year there was one state where it was legal to gamble. Now they've added, geez, a dozen more, I think, where it is legal to gamble. Of all the betting last year, around $5 billion, what percentage of it was illegal? 97%.
5: Well, it's good to see that the laws
3: against gambling are working.
4: Well, all right. So I guess that's why in a lot of states they decided, look, it's happening anyway. How about we get our chunk of it or whatever?
3: You know, every year I just bet $50,000 on the outcome. Because it makes me so sick to my stomach with worry, I don't eat as much at the Super Bowl parties. It's a weight loss thing. Interesting. Worked out really well. Good yeah. plan. Oh, speaking of which, Marshall, do you think it's possible for a human being to gain two pounds overnight without even trying? <laughs> no, <laughs> I,
5: I don't think there's, where you're, mind, wrong, mind, it's <laughs> there's where you're two wrong, my friends. There's where
4: you're wrong. No. Do you do you, no. you sleepy? Do you wake up in the middle of the night and you go in and no, absolutely uh, not. I, uh, I, hung up on Ambien, you I, start. To really?
5: wake, wake up
4: in. with a <laughs> random empty carton of ice cream on your chest. <laughs> what, what happened with
3: this? While I was recovering yeah. from my recent uh, surgery, a buddy of mine gave me a, a, a bunch of different um, good foods that I love, including some barbecued ribs. And I busted it open last night, and I uh, I thought it was a single rack of ribs. Turned out to be two racks of ribs. And I got through to one, and I was still kind of hungry, so I had a couple more ribs. And then I was looking (laughs) at this rack of ribs, and I was thinking, well, that's too little to say. Sure. Absolutely. And too many to eat, which is, you know, a rock and a hard place. So would you like to guess which direction I went? (laughs) (laughs) So I believe I have roughly two and a half pounds of pork sitting in my belly right now. Getting my belly. (laughs) Oh, it got there. So I'm I'm hoping that weight gain is only temporary. There you go.
5: Oh,
4: I man. broke
3: six ribs. I yeah. ate 12 ribs.
4: Keep <laughs> us updated on that. Um, news now with Marshall Phillips.
5: Well, waiting on Roger. Longtime Trump associate Roger Stone pleading not guilty in a D.C. federal court in the Mueller probe. Stone accused of obstruction, lying to Congress, and witness tampering surrounding alleged efforts by Trump campaign aides to learn about emails the Russian government hacked from Democrats during the election. Now, the charges submitted by a federal grand jury working with Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Outside the courthouse, you got a gaggle of reporters and demonstrators waiting for Stone to come out. U.S. intelligence agencies fully believe that Russia and China will try to interfere in the 2020 presidential election. Testifying today before the Senate Intel Committee, the Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coats, said foreign actors will view 2020 as an opportunity to advance their interests. The composition of the current threats we face is a toxic mix of strategic competitors, regional powers, weak or failed states, and non-state actors using a variety of tools in overt and subtle ways to achieve their goals. And if
4: you're Russia, do you try to hurt Trump or help Trump?
5: Oh, boy. Or
3: China? Oh, boy. Uh, my immediate answer is work both sides as hard as you can. Just get Americans to hate each other. I mean, that's strategy number one. I'd have to think about that for a while. I don't know. Uh, did you know that a substantial number, I think it was 40% of our cybersecurity people in the federal government, were considered non-essential personnel and were laid off during the uh, shutdown? Yeah, there is some... you believe that, given the, the, the high, high threat level?
4: Yeah, there is some belief that it was the most dangerous time cyber-wise in our nation's history.
3: Well, and remember, sometimes you don't know what sort of bug they got into your systems until a long time after they get it. So they need to shut down the grid for the big attack. Or, or just, yeah, or just to mess with our economy.
5: Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's new book is uh, hitting the stores today. It's called Let Me Finish. That Trump,
3: for you. <laughs> Trump.
5: <laughs> I actually would have been grateful if he'd ate some of those ribs. <laughs> Trump, the Kushners, Bannon, New Jersey, and the power of in-your-face politics. That's the title of it all. In the book. Christie writes that the president and his senior advisor and son-in-law, Jared Kushner, thought the Russia investigation to be finished once former national security advisor Michael Flynn was fired.
3: It was Valentine's Day of 2017. I said, we're going to be sitting here on Valentine's Day of 2018 still talking about Russia. Mm. And Jared said to me, you're crazy. And I said, no, I'm not crazy. I've run these investigations before, unlike you
4: no, no. God, that didn't
3: help. How do you like that, Ray-Bans? Huh? <laughs> that didn't help your
4: chances of staying in the inner circle there.
3: Because... Oh, I think he's got vengeance on his mind. Oh, yeah.
5: Christie goes on to say the president surrounded himself with a revolving door of amateurs, grifters, convicted, and unconvicted felons. Christie also writes that Trump once advised him to wear longer ties to make him look thinner so he'd have a better chance of getting ahead in politics.
4: The, the, in a, on a somewhat serious note, I realize some of you with less discipline will try to take this a comedic direction. But on a God somewhat forbid. serious note, what happened to his gastric bypass or whatever? Does it just not take with some people, or can you eat through it? Or, that or,
3: one. I'm pretty sure that's
4: what You happened. can just out-eat it. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, I don't know precisely. There are a handful of different... Technology seems like it ought to really.
4: be talked about more. Because yeah. I've known some people that have had tremendous success. Didn't re- literally did not recognize people I knew well. Mm-hmm. Walked up to me, it's me, Matt. Wow! Oh my God! How, how I, that they... has happened to me, right? And they kept it off. They Chris have. Chris looks. Okay. Yeah, Chris Christie looks yeah. bigger than he did
3: before. Yeah, yeah. Boys got an eating problem. No, no doubt about that. I mean, a grown man buying these super big bag of M and M's at a at a basketball game or wherever he was. I mean, that's astonishing. That would never even occur to me. If I was, if I had taken my three kids and like our neighbor's three kids to the game, I'd have thought, okay, M and M's. I'll get the big bag. But that was for him. And at a time
4: when he was thinking about running for president and his eating and weight was an issue. Right. In public. He yeah. couldn't stop himself.
3: Yeah. That's, that's you know, it's that's, that's sad. We all have our demons, right? I
4: appreciate you all not trying to take this a comedic direction. Well, you shamed us.
5: There you go. That's a wrap. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation.
4: Chris Christie's new book, Let Me Finish. That for you. That for you.
3: He didn't. Are you te- going
4: to finish that?
5: He didn't text that to his friends. Be like, hey, any of
6: you guys see a problem with me releasing a book that sets me up for every single fat joke that's ever been thought of? Right. No? All your friends? Everybody's fine with that? Okay. Good. I'm surrounded by wonderful people. Oh, boy. It'd
4: be like if his book was called The Heavy Truth or something. Chris like that.
1: Christie's
3: Let's Dig In to Politics. Right. No, Chris. Hey, Chris. Love the book. The title, Can We Talk? Well, no. no, apparently he, he didn't ask. Listen, get good friends,
4: people. They're so important in life. I thought we were going to knock this off since we have him on, like, next week to talk about the book.
3: I thought the preceding segment was uh, sympathetic and mature. It's true. It mostly was.
4: All right. Mostly. All right. Uh, somebody texted, how long before Trump starts calling Schultz Sergeant Schultz? Uh, three, two, <laughs> one. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: that the
4: Hispanics should work harder at assimilation. That's one of the things I've been saying for a long time. You know, that they ought not to be just codified in their communities, but make sure that all their kids are learning to speak English and that they feel comfortable in the communities. And that's going to take outreach on
3: both sides, frankly. Stone him! Seems a little extreme. Tom Brokaw saying immigrants should assimilate. Uh, Backlash, he's been forced to uh, tearfully apologize for suggesting such a horrifying thing to the very people who would remind us over and over again in mind-numbing and mindless fashion that we're a nation of immigrants, ignoring the fact that assimilation was always part of that equation, not to mention proof that you can support yourself, but putting that aside. Tom said that the uh, National Association of Hispanic Journalists said assimilation is denying one culture for the other. Hispanics are no less American for embracing their country of origin or that of their ancestors. Being bicultural and bilingual is a strength in an increasingly multi-ethnic, multilingual society. I would suggest that being bilingual is great. Sure, that's fantastic. Tom Brokaw wasn't talking about being bilingual. He was talking about not being monolingual and your only language not being English. But it doesn't matter if you can get him on his heels uh, with the big R, the word racism looming over the discussion. You win automatically.
4: The reason to, uh, to, to manage in a, in a whole bunch of industries, you have to be able to speak Spanish, is not because everybody's bilingual.
3: Right, right, clearly. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, the other thing that I found interesting was uh, in reading about some of the backlash, uh, a number of people are saying, you know, uh, there are Mexican-Americans, second generation, that identify more with Mexico than America, and they've been awakened awakened to their true identity by all this discussion. So congratulations, identity politics people. You are now tearing this country apart. People who are perfectly happy and proud to be Americans of whatever heritage are now thinking, yeah, I'm not an American at all. I'm a Mexican, or I'm a, you know, Frenchman or whatever. And we're losing the unity. E pluribus unum, forget it. Out of many, one, no. Out of many, many. E pluribus pluribus. One more comment. Panelist on a, uh, a talk show, uh, it was actually the same panel that uh, Brokaw was on, Yamiche Alcindor of PBS, said, I grew up in Miami where people speak Spanish, but their kids speak English, and the idea that we think Americans can only speak English, as if Spanish and other languages weren't wasn't always a part of America is in some ways troubling. Of course, Tom Brokaw didn't say that, but congratulations on beating the crap out of that straw man you set up.
4: So why'd you hand this to me, Sean, because it's provocative? Uh, it's, who is this person?
6: Uh, nobody of note that's okay. with the algorithms. I don't follow this person, but it found its way into my feed. But okay. it's an example of the, the
4: way out there arguments. I'll read it anyway because you'll either cheer or scream. and that's, that's our goal every day, right? To make people cheer and scream. Uh, why, do, why do white folks think they have the right to validate and accept the apology of someone who harmed and offended people of color? Just sit there and be quiet while Latin people decide how Brokaw should be held accountable for his racist and xenophobic xenophobic comments. And that, that was, is
3: a ridiculous and horrifying way to look at humanity. That was Justice can only be administered by people of the same color.
6: Uh, to Joe Scarborough pointing out, hey, Tom Brokaw did a lot of good reporting on civil rights and he, showing, uh, talking about his full resume of career as a journalist. Right. And this person says, how does Joe Scarborough think he can jump into this? Exactly. So,
3: wow. Tell that to the mob as they're dragging you out of the, your home at the behest of Chairman Mao. He did a lot of good
4: work. It is pretty troubling that saying out loud, you need to learn to speak English, will get you in trouble.
3: Assistant professor at Duke University has stepped down as a uh, graduate studies administrator after telling students to use English 100% of the time while on campus or in professional settings. Megan Lee Neely, an assistant professor of biostatistics, which is a field of study, apparently. <laughs> biostatistics. Uh, she, uh, she was forced out. She warned first and second grade graduate students. First and second year, I should say, not second grade graduate students. They don't have graduate school in second grade. Uh well I guess they do it's called third grade <laughs> anyway she told them uh, to use English I'm going
4: on to post second grade education to use it's Eng- called third grade
3: <laughs> <laughs> then I'm thinking of getting my PhD well fourth grade <laughs> uh, after that uh listen to this and again again it is so easy if you're at all decent with the English language or any other language to describe something in a way that makes it sound horrible. And it's not difficult to do in these racially terrorized times to do that.
4: You know, the Chinese don't have a word for problem. The word they use is opportunity.
3: I thought that was snow. <laughs> no, they got 200 words. for Anyway. No, those are Eskimos. So, um, racist. So uh, she warned, quote unquote, first and second year graduate students to only use English or risk unintended consequences in the department or elsewhere on campus in business settings and that sort of thing. To international students, please, please, please keep these unintended consequences in mind when you choose to speak in Chinese in the building. I have no idea how hard it has been for you and still is for you to come to the U.S. and have to learn in a non-native language. As such, I have the utmost respect for what you are doing. Again, this is, this is again, the horrifying racist who had to be thrown out of her job. That being said, I encourage you to commit to using English 100% of the time when you were in uh, this building or any other professional building, etc., um, uh, etc., et and... That advice on getting ahead is deemed so horrifying she can no longer work. She has to be forced out of her job. She has apologized and then resigned and the rest of it. Uh, Listen, I tell you what. I hate to even say this because people are going to be freaked out and bummed by it, bummed out. The idea of the United States as a coherent people from a thousand backgrounds... But that agree on a set of principles: love of country, the constitution, uh, you know freedom of speech, um, many, many, uh, you know, many ethnicities, but a culture formed around liberty. I think it's going away, because particularly in this age of, of, of ethnic rage, where, where being the victim is so important, to having status, the idea of uh, our greatest strength is unity. Not, not diversity. Diversity is interesting, it's great, But our great strength is unity. But there's decreasing numbers of people who are advocating that idea, And I just I think we're moving toward we'll be a land mass with a, a pretty good economy, and, and, and people will live here, but it'll be more like a globalist something or other than a coherent nation.
4: Got a couple of Chris Christie uh, texts. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. First text is, Chris Christie got the uh, gastric band. No, the lap band.
3: Yes. Have you seen the lap band? The gastric band and lap band toured together in the 1990s. Gastric
4: bypass.
3: Yes. He got the lap band, which has a
4: new guitar player. Right. The last one choked on his own vomit. Right. And this new one is great. Yep. But uh, the the lap band, I guess you still can gain your weight, and it mm. happens to some people. The gastric bypass... This, so those are two separate... I
3: guess. Thing. Okay. And there, person, the, like I said, there are a handful of technologies you, you can get. And
4: this person, they say they got the the bypass and lost 150 pounds a long time ago and have kept it off.
3: Wow. Wow.
4: But why... So why would Chris Christie choose the other one? Is it a health it might thing? Be or safer?
3: I know some of those... Uh, uh, operations you can get, and I'm not going to name them because I don't know that much about it, but some of them have a lot of complications and side effects and, and are among operations, fairly dangerous. Oof! And people get them because they're desperate, because sure. being morbidly obese is incredibly dangerous.
4: Also, this text, Chris Christie's next book is, The Proof is in the Pudding. Mm, pudding.
3: <laughs> not helping. No. That is disrespectful. That's not funny at all. Childish? Thank you, Michael. It's definitely childish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't appreciate it. So, Man, I have so many things I'd like to get to this hour, but you made somebody weep with your little speech there. So. I did. Yeah, apparently. That's uh, okay. All right, that's nice. I guess I don't intend to Was make that people your goal? cry. The Pentagon has saved almost five billion dollars in the last two years just by using the same skills you use in your household to not waste money. This gal, Lisa Hirschman. She should be a household name and a hero. Department's acting chief management officer, third highest ranking civilian in the Pentagon, has been attempting to cut costs, eliminate waste, increase efficiency, has saved almost $5 billion over the last two years. Wow, they ought to get a statue built to them. Oh, yeah. Th- yeah. At again, the cost of $200 million. Exactly. Lisa Hirschman <laughs> is her name. Reform doesn't happen overnight, she said. Particularly, listen to this, at the Pentagon, a government agency, whose annual budget, if the Pentagon were a nation, it would be in the top 20 economies in the world. That's pretty amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, it speaks to the might of the American military, but I'll bet we could be doing it for 25% less. Um, So, I tell you what, you know, I don't know how effective the Trump administration is about draining the swamp, but that's a serious effort. And it is a no- Brainer, My friends, a no brainer that we could get that going from, uh, you know, from from uh, about a stern in the federal government. Somebody in every major department with, you know, with a staff spends all day long trying to figure out how to save money. We could save tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. But budget is turf, and bureaucrats never give up turf.
4: Well, our economy lost many billions of dollars due to the shutdown. No, it the, didn't. was the talking point all day long in a lot of news outlets. I'm calling bull caca on that notion. Money that will never come back, which when I heard that, I thought, how, how does that even make economic sense?
3: Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to knock that one down at some point. You will? Will will you
4: make people cry with that speech? I don't know.
3: Is that your goal every day? People are awfully
4: emotional today. People you can make cry. It'll be
5: okay. Come here, let me give you a hug.
4: That reminds me. uh, I made a mistake, got my son made fun of at school around that sort of topic. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty show.